how can we expect clients to necessarily trust us if we don't always back up each other? All right, back once again to the Veterinary Career Success Show. We're back with our monthly regular feature with the wonderful Dr. Mariah McCauley. Welcome back, Mariah. Woo, it's really good to be back. Um, And whatever craziness we're about to get up to, I don't even know, but let's do this. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Right. I don't know if it's just me being a grumpy old man. I look in the mirror and what I feel inside and what I see on the outside are two really different things. Like I, I have a reasonable tolerance for social. I know in my own self when I'm starting to be there too much, can feel the anxiety and the tension and just the knot inside me tightening. But in the, in the last week, I have found myself actually just getting facepalm angry on social at some of the behavior I'm just sort of seeing out there, which I'm just like, dudes, this is so self-defeating. What are you doing? What is going on? So one of the posts was, and maybe we can break these two down because I'm kind of interested in your taking these things. One of them was aimed at clients. Both are well-intended, but one was a post of, and they're clickbait really, or likebait. One is a post of a, you know, a quote saying, when a client says the breeder said not to get L4, uh, I don't know if it's the breeder, but let's just say that. And then underneath it was a meme of somebody, you know, staring with, you know, the eyes that go sideways and staring in total disbelief, like you are an absolute idiot. Incredulity, that meme, you know, the one. Oh yeah. I and know under, exactly. Underneath yeah. it. Right. And it's, and it's like, Oh, so that got under my skin a bit. And then there was another one and it was, Actually, this one, I, I, it got into my skin because, well, let me just tell you about it straight up. It was a picture of a vet. It was a video of a vet not doing a very good job of handling a cat. And basically, this vet is getting munched whilst trying to pill a cat. But the vet is clearly having a bad moment. Now, I don't know anything about this vet. I don't know if they're a good vet, bad vet, ugly vet, anything like that. But I know what I saw was very unprofessional and abusive behavior. Wax the cat with his bald fist on the top of the head. Hard enough that if it was me, I'd have thought twice about it. So the cat's concussed or stunned or something like that. But it's a cat, so it's not taking this lying down. And basically the cat ends up ro- sort of going almost into this sort of spasm, you know, sort of spastic state mm-hmm. and rolling off the table and going away. Now that's upsetting to see. And so that's one thing. But what was really concerning was it was shared by another vet. And so I just, you know, and I'm on social, I'm thinking, we spend a lot of time complaining about clients being stupid. And then I see vets in public forums dissing clients with clear signal feedback that they trust somebody, a breeder, however we feel about that. I'm not going to use the word misguided because that's what, we would be inclined to call that. But what we're failing to recognize is the signal that they trust the breeder. There's a trusted source of information. Good, bad, or not, it's a trusted source. And we're dissing the trusted source. It's like mm-hmm. it's like me. It's like me, you rocking up and saying, Oh, my bestie said this, and me going, Your bestie is an idiot. Exactly. Like, what are you what are you gonna think of me? And then this other one, I thought, oh, I just wanted to face palm. Am I just being a grumpy old man? To a degree, I think potentially a little bit, but 
But I can honestly say seeing those type of memes and like I can see where they're coming from. And you gave a couple different examples with one of them being like the the veterinarian's viewpoint of a client. And then the other one with just the fact that like something bad happens in our profession. And instead of facing it and trying to actually improve upon it, what do we do? We shoot ourselves in the foot. Like literally, we shoot ourselves in the foot with it. So there's a couple different things that are going on here where, yes, there is definitely like this huge frustration that we have with clients, with the breeders, with the information that comes to us about these animals. And especially with COVID, a lot of it is happening behind the doors. Like the clients is the client isn't there for that initial interaction. And so everything that happens over the phone, again, they don't get to necessarily be a part of it. But there's just someone that they're trying to figure out how to put all of these little pieces together here. But we have the side where, yes, there is frustration because there is a disparity between the trust that clients have in us versus the breeder versus Google. And then, of course, why is it like that? Well, think about what we do to each other in this profession. It's not all peaches and cream. Like We are not all that nice to each other. And that is part of the systemic issues that we have that are going on. So how can we expect clients to necessarily trust us if we don't always back up each other? That's part of what's going on. But on the same token, talking about health literacy and just the understanding of what medicine truly is and the fact that we've just spent eight plus years of our lives studying this exact thing. And yet here comes someone with paper from their breeder and the client is saying, I trust this breeder and the words that they're saying, they think this breeder is God from what they're saying. And here we are as the medical professional and we are just, it's infuriating, honestly, to have someone who does not have medical background, but is holding more trust than us. And then that question is why? And there are so many reasons why that happens. And part of it is our own fault, quite fairly. We got way behind on the ball when it comes to putting out that information and guiding clients towards adequate information and then also building that rapport. We haven't necessarily been the best at it. We've kind of been like, oh, we are veterinarians. We do medicine. We just do medicine. And then forgetting about that whole relational aspect of what veterinary medicine is. Because remember, the animal is maybe 10% of it. The other 90% is actually working with people, working with clients building that trust. Because like, think about it, even I know for myself, before I go to the doctor, I'm probably going to Google something to try and figure out what it is, come up with some questions. That's not wrong. It's not wrong to do. But at the same time, like there's that disparity that's happening between what happens when you search on Google and when you step into the clinic or when you call the clinic. So there's been a couple things that are going on. And let's chat about this. So on that note, when was the last time you Googled something about your own health? I think the last time I Googled something about my own health was, it could even easily have been yesterday, to be fair. And were you right about your diagnosis? Oh, heck no. <laughs> it gave me like 500 million things and I'm like, I'm dying. I'm definitely dying. Exactly. I have a brain tumor like every two weeks I check in on and, and whoa, whoa, I'm still here. Amazing, right? Amazing. That's, uh, so man flu escalates <laughs> to you know some form of horrible disease frequently. But that's the point. Like Even after all of the veterinary training that we've had, we're still nowhere near 
what's actually going on. And so you, I mean, we can't blame clients for doing something that we do ourselves and we can't blame them for getting it wrong. And I think it's a big misunderstanding. Like when we, when we diss the puppy owner, this is what, what just gets me about this, this sort of eye roll. You know, when a client goes to the practice and they meet you, and I don't know what your clients are like, but you know, mine would interact with me on social media because we're, we're kind of all on social media. And so the places like Instagram where, you know, Facebook, you can lock down and be private, but many vets in practice are very publicly building professional brands. And some of that brand contains content for pet owners, some of it for vets. But when I see a post, which is an eye roll, when a client asks a question that's fairly legitimate, legitimate in their eyes, like an L, you know, an L4 vaccine, or an ellipsospirosis vaccine, whatever it is where you're from, is they've read that it contains an element of risk. It's the same as people who are now concerned that the AZ vaccine has an element of risk as well. It apparently does now. And as the science emerges and changes, and that now having been saying there was no risk with it, and it's a lower number of incidences of you know this clotting issue that's happening, and the, then the general population would be having. Now the needle of evidence is moving slightly that now they're saying, eh, the case is strengthening. But you know, now you and I both know that a very small number of incredibly tragic deaths is still a drop in the ocean compared to the thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands of people that will die or would have died without the vaccine. So science-wise, it's a no-brainer. But we're dealing in population economics. When that needle goes in my arm and I will get that coronavirus vaccine, I will still have a concern in my, my little soul, however rational, that, oh shit, I might die and never see my daughter again or something like that because of this vaccine, right? So, and that's a medical professional. So it's not surprising when a client reads something in the internet about L4 or lepto being a, not very good for their dog that they freak out and they they question it. Mm-hmm. And so when they jump on the social media feed and what they see is their vet eye rolling because somebody asked a question, what does that do? That's not a psychologically safe space to ask questions. That's going to stop them asking vets questions because they get tutted at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing when they go and then they go to their breeder or they go to their trainer because that's the person that they have a relationship with about this dog. And pretty much, I mean, for the most part, when they talk to their breeder, when they talk to their trainer, those are going to be the people that are constantly saying like, they're also going to be like, hey, the vet, maybe it didn't get this right, or they're not telling you the whole story or this, that or the other. And it's not necessarily that the trainer is bad. It's not that the breeder is bad. It's that there has been this constant flood of information that, I mean, it's coming from people who aren't medical professionals. And so when it's the first thing that goes in front of them, that's what you automatically hold more truth to. Like that's just, it's just human nature. And then veterinarians being reactionary or having to come on the the back foot of that being like, oh, actually, no, 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 wait, wait, we actually have information about this. And they're going to be like, mm, yeah, but I've already read this and I've had time for that to be my first impression. And so now you coming and saying that this maybe isn't true, whether or not that is or not, but the whole aspect of 
going back to the eye roll thing, they don't feel that when they come to the vet, that the vet is actually there to have a relationship with them. They think that the vet is just there to sell something to them, to kind of tell them that they're wrong. And that automatically just puts someone in a combative mindset. Like they're not there to have a relationship if you do that. So there's so many levels that we have to approach here. Um, There's the level on the social media side of things where we have to be better about being proactive with the information that we put out there. We have to be better about how we talk about our clients, how we talk to our clients on social media, because again, that's where they're seeing us, A, knock down each other, that doesn't look very good, and B, knock down them or their trainer or their breeder, who is essentially like their family member. So you can imagine us attacking their family member does not go over well. So there's so many levels there. And then, of course, when they come to the office or when they they call and you're on the phone with them about this and they mention a grain-free diet, you can almost feel that they're afraid to ask anything or say anything about it because they're like, I just feel like even if they don't know grain-free is bad, they're just going to be like, oh, I just, I don't know what the vet's going to say, but they usually tell me I'm wrong. So they don't want to offer information. So there's just, just so many levels that we have to be better about and how do we improve our conversations and our communications with them. I loved something that Marty Becker said, and that was he pointed out that we were very good at giving our clients an F or an E. Very good because we're problem solvers. And the other thing is that we have this innate need to be right. Science is all about challenging and poking holes in things. And and we take a sort of science level relationship into the exam room. And so we're giving clients Fs all the time. And it's just clients get the beat down. Like there's no joy in a relationship like that. It's hard for trust to form when you're simply being told. Think about the, the teacher, the, you know, the college lecturer. They just beat you down, like made you feel that size, tiny. And then compare that to the college lecturer who fondly, but firmly corrected you and your silly assertions or my silly assertions, which I had plenty, but with kindness steered you on the right track. It's night and day, your your opinion, your impression, your just the whole feelings. Mm-hmm that you would have for that person would be completely different. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, you must have had some of these challenging conversations just now. How have you gone, gone about these? So the challenging conversations, I mean, the, the most common ones are going to be grain-free, raw diets, vaccines, flea and tick prevention. Those are the, the hot topics, if you will, and no general practitioner has not had to deal with them. So when I'm dealing with these, and of course, I'm here as the new grad, I'm trying to make a good impression on these clients who have never met me in person. And I feel like I do mess up my words quite often when I'm talking to them. But in general, the flow that I try to take is say you have a client that in passing, they maybe mention like, of course, we always ask the question, so what are you feeding Fluffy right now? And of course, they tell us what the brand is, if they know it. Um, sometimes they're like, oh, I just know it's a dry kibble brand. I know the color of the bag. That's about it. And other times they'll be like, I am feeding the specific raw diet. It was recommended to me by my groomer. And I've just seen a huge change in Fluffy's coat. And right then you're already like, okay, so they have a relationship with their groomer. Um, who tells them a lot of information, they've already seen possibly some improvement, quote unquote, from this diet. And so their belief in this food and in this person who provided them with the information is something that I'm already going against, which I shouldn't say going against, but I have to work 
alongside, essentially. It's a relationship. And so what I usually start the conversation out with when I see that is I'm like, okay, I don't want them to become defensive about what they're saying, but I honestly want to know what their mindset is. I want to know what their decision process is when they're choosing products for their pet. So I leave it as a question where I say, okay, I see that you're feeding XYZ brand. Can you tell me more about your decision process for feeding this to Fluffy? And right then, I'm already able to say, I'm not accusing you of anything. I legitimately just want to know. I want to know for her record. I want to know for our relationship. And I don't try to do anything that is like, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. I just want to know. Open that discussion right then. And also ask, are you willing to have a discussion about this? That's usually how I start the conversations. I love that. One thing jumps in my head there because you know what I love about that is that you've you know you've just in the course of going through history with open questions, you've heard something that flags up. You're resisting that urge to immediately jump in and and tell them they're wrong and give them that e. And what you're doing is acknowledging it and then exploring a little bit the underlying decision making and processes. You know how they've arrived at that decision. Now, a question I really like is. What was important to you about making that decision? Because they offer you their criteria for what good looked like, you know, and you'll hear some stuff there, which then also you learn what matters to them in the bigger picture about their pet's health. Well, it was important to me that best quality ingredients, you know, important that, you know, we, you know, that uh, we're not giving him, you know, all this corn that is really bad, quote unquote. Quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> for dogs and that, you know, we didn't want to give them a food that gives them cancer, which all these other mainstream diets do, you know, or we wanted to keep his teeth clean. So we, we give him raw meaty bones or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's nice, you know, I just think going in with more questions and then I it always, you know, I think this psychological safety we hear a little bit about is creeping into some of the conversations, which is great, but much more in the workplace relationships we have as a, as a team, as a culture. Actually, it applies in any relationship that, you know, a respectful relationship is one where everybody gets to speak their truth, be understood, and not belittled, not made to feel like an idiot. That's part of having a healthy relationship. But, you know, where we've come from has been historically anybody with a white coat and a stethoscope, you know, the boomer generation just did what they were told. You know, to a similar extent, my generation did. But now with the democratization of information and the general sort of sense of distrust of institutionalized knowledge, people's, you know, conspiracy theories, whatever you call it, with what you will, but people are just far less likely to take things at face value. Your generation doesn't do that. And increasingly, it's not just your generation. It's increasingly humans don't do that in the information age. It's too easy. It's sloppy just to generalize and to generations mm-hmm. but creating that psychologically safe space is how you win trust and build relationships so then asking you know asking if somebody is open to hearing a bit more you know well that's it's an interesting choice let me ask you are you open to hearing you know an alternate perspective there's a couple of things there which i'd love just to give you even more information on so you could make your own mind up would that be okay mm-hmm and it's it's not doing it meekly. Like, obviously, you have to be professional and with the understanding, like, I am coming from a medical background. So it's not like, oh, is it okay if I if I give you some information? 
type of thing. It's like, I have some information. I think it'd be very beneficial, but I understand that this conversation needs to go both ways for us to have this. And just saying it kind of matter of factly that way. So I think that's just a, an important side note to bring to how you present the information. Sorry, I jumped in there. I love it. I love it. Do you know what I'd love to see? I would love to see people on their Instagram account putting question from vet about leptospirosis vaccine. Was told not to by a breeder. Me. Oh, that's really interesting. Let's have a conversation about that. Not eye roll. Not eye roll. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And, and and listen, I understand where the eye roll thing comes from, but can we do the eye roll thing inside and then strap on our good communication cape and actually have a, have a, have a conversation where somebody feels really positive? On that note, I mean, you had a really nice interaction. You know that you know that pace change that goes from sad moment end of life, but can spawn into something more. The wonder of clients. Clients can be hard, and they can be difficult. And I think it's the way that we treat them is the difference. As very few people are actually bad or good. There's people that react to the situations that they're in and frequently in practices they're in challenging situations. How you treat them really matters. You had a really lovely interaction with a client recently. Please share that because it's just this sort of story warms my heart. It honestly, it was the kind of thing where I got the the call back saying, oh, client wants to talk about our new puppies. And I was thinking, oh, like I had my little eye roll moment where I was like, oh, gosh, is this going to be something that her breeder said or something? No, like this was a case where uh, their previous pet had recently passed from old age. And I believe he had cancer or something very similar. And they were in a position where they felt ready to bring two new puppies into their life. Can I interrupt? Did you perform the euthanasia? No, I did not. I think this was one where the the pet actually ended up in the ER and that's where it happened. So it was a very tragic kind of end. But I honestly, I didn't really have a strong relationship with this client beforehand. I think I maybe saw them like once. So maybe they just patched him through to me because I was the last one to see their other pet. But regardless, when I picked up the phone and called this owner, what I thought was going to be a 10 minute conversation about this, that or the other ended up being an hour long conversation about everything that I ever wish that a client would ask about a new puppy. They were very upfront. They're just saying it's been a very long time since we've had puppies. We don't really remember much. We know some things have changed. And so we talked about food. We talked about crate training, appropriate toys, vaccines, interactions with older dogs, like you name it. We talked about it for an hour straight. And it was to the point where I was like, oh, snap, I literally don't have enough time to, to talk with her. So I said, I'm really looking forward to meeting your puppies. I'm really looking forward to watching them grow and being a part of this relationship with you. I'll see you at their new appointment when they come in. So that was the kind of scenario where I was like, dang, this is what I want every single new puppy owner to do. I want them to look to the veterinarian to say, hey, I want to build a relationship with you because you are going to be the one who's going to be there for me, who's going to be there to like help me with all the problems, fix the things that I need, keep my puppy healthy and happy maybe challenge me in an edifying manner at times, but at the same time, like at the same respect, just 
have that relationship, be the first one that they go to. So they're not like, ooh, maybe I should go to my breeder or maybe I should talk to my groomer or maybe that trainer or my neighbor about this puppy question or something. I want them to come to the veterinarian first so that we can be the first one to put that information in front of them. Not to say this is the way it has to be done, but here is the most like researched information, the the stuff that we trust the most before they get these all these other like um, other ideas in their heads beforehand. So how did that make you feel? It made me feel special (laughs) to a degree. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, she trusts me enough to come to me with all of these questions about how to set her puppies up and her up for success in this relationship. It's just, it's a whole another level of a relationship. And it's just, it's like, oh my goodness, people actually want to have a relationship with their veterinarian. It's not just a transaction. And again, that's something which we talked about in the previous one, where how are we choosing our clients? Are we choosing them because we want more, just a number of clients? Or are we choosing clients because we know that we can interact with them, have a good relationship with them? They are not just capable, but just willing to try as much as they can, to do as much as they can. Granted, not everybody has the financials to do the gold standard of everything, but having the the willingness to have discussions about that, that's all I could ask for and more when it comes to it. So yeah, again, it's that, like, how are we choosing our clients? Um, what are we doing to inspire that culture and understanding, um, not just with the clients that we see in person, but the ones that are potentially going to be our clients through social media. And I wonder if flipped around, it's how do our clients choose us? Because ultimately, you think you're going to get what you sow, you reap what you sow. Like if you have a great attitude with clients and you are consistently that person to clients, you're going to become very, very popular with a very nice bunch of clients and your career takes just this different journey. And that's, that's an intentional choice. Now, just listening to you talk there, this is a silly question, but did that fill your bucket or drain your bucket, that interaction? Oh, that filled that bucket so far. I was like, this is a good day. I like waltzed down the hall. I was like, guess what I just did? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right, exactly. And I see what you did was you, you set a couple of puppies up in a great trajectory to have good information and you built a little bit of trust in the profession. Man, if we could do that on mass over and over and over, we got no problems. Burn out, schmurn out. You got to be able to fill your bucket. And I think clients are the key. You're wise beyond your years, Mo. That much is clear to me. And uh, it's always great to sort of share and hear how you're getting on and, and riff on these issues. So thank you again for your time. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you back again next month. Oh, I think so, because I have so much more that we could talk about on this. But also, I will be talking about more of it on the more scientific side of things over on my podcast. So um, people want to keep following there as well. But I am looking forward to next month, whatever shenanigans we get up to. We'll figure it out as we go. We'll figure something out. And we'll, we'll link up your podcast from show notes. And please do go check that out. Where do you like your peeps to go? Hmm. My peeps like to hang out on Instagram. <laughs> and so um, over at that Bet Life podcast. And then I'm kind of on Facebook. Eh, not as much. And then I do have a website, um, that Bet Life podcast, where you can find all of the episodes. If you are not able to or you're not 
able to find them on any major podcasting platform, which is where the podcast is. So if you look for it, you'll find it. Check it out. Lots of awesome content, all yours to consume. Thank you, Mo. Look forward to chatting again next month. All right. Till next time, guys.